0: This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant Spotify. Conditions apply.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday livecast here on Twitch. And for those of you who are joining us live, you caught that embarrassing mistake. For those of you listening or watching, you're just going to have to let your imagination be your guide as to what happened. If you want to catch the excitement, though, tune into the live show at 11 a.m. Pacific Center Time, for Gaming underscore TV over at Twitch. And if not, hey, no big deal. You still get to enjoy our smiling faces, witty banter, and friendly repartee.
0: You also get to ask us questions that we sometimes answer.
1: Indeed, indeed. However you enjoy the show, please make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that fun stuff. And if you're watching it live, just join in on chat and have a good time. As always, the show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. I am your host, Reese, aka Rhysius, on the interwebs. And with me, the one, the only, the Rhino.
0: Double Rhino today.
1: Or a singular Rhino?
0: Singular Rhino. You know, we're one entity. When I wear the Rhino shirt, I am the Rhino.
1: It's like you. Uh, it's like when Goku and Vegeta form Gogeta.
0: Yes, or Go tanks.
1: Or Go. That's not the, the, Trunks. Is someone different? That's Gohan and Trunks, bro. Oh,
0: okay, I don't know.
1: They, you could either be Gogeta or what's when the other one in charge. It's. Uh,
0: it's like, I'll be Gogeta. I'll be there's di- two different versions
1: depending on which ones. It's Vegito, oh. that's it.
0: Oh, Vegito. Oh, yeah, yeah that's it depends little...
1: on who's in charge when they team up.
0: Vegito just sounds like Vegito with a bunch of Cheetos in his mouth or something.
1: That's the more, that's the more gamer version. <laughs> he appears with some flaming hot Cheetos in one hand and a, uh,
0: a Mountain Dew <laughs>
1: red line in the other hand. And he's ready to go. All right. He's ready to go.
0: What are we, gonna, what are we talking about today, Reese? Bloody
1: balls and
0: slaves
1: to darkness. That's a good combo.
0: Yeah, you know what? It is. It is a very good combo. Let's go ahead and move on. First off, you can find us on the Frontline Gaming Network, the Frontline Gaming Podcasting Network, where you can check out all of our live shows. And you can also head over to FrontlineGaming.org, where unfortunately our Black Friday sale just ended. However, if you were to catch one of those awesome deals, uh, we are working hard to get everyone's items out to them as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, we blew the doors off this year. Um, Thank you so much for the support. We are running uh, double shifts to keep up with production. But during the sales, we do sometimes fall behind a little bit on uh, production. However, uh, Frankie and Co are cranking to try and keep up. And thank you very much, everybody that uh, supported us with your business. We super appreciate it. Uh, Also, I have got a gnarly headache. So if I say something that doesn't make sense...
0: It's business as usual. Just
1: give me a give me a little bit of a, uh, a pass today. I rarely ever get headaches, but man, I am like, it's like hard to even like read right now. <clears throat> uh, at any rate, on this cold and stormy San Diego day, those are not words you usually say, but it is pouring as it is in much of the Western United States right now. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in and talk about... What's new and cool in the Games Workshop hobby? So, first of all, the pre-order this week, which you can pick up from Frontline Gaming at a discount with free shipping options within the continental United States. There's a bunch of stuff, including Chapter Proof 2019. This is a big deal. You pretty much have to have it if you want to play match play. Uh, the Blood of Balls, or Ball, uh, new Psychic Awakening books, some really exciting stuff in there. Mephista and the new Primaris, Lord of Death, amazing model. Tons of other stuff. There's some Kill Team, Kill Team stuff in there. Um, a lot. There's a lot in this pre-order. If you want to head over to store.frontlinegaming.org, click on the pre-order tab up at the top. You can see what's available, and those will start shipping on uh, this coming weekend. Uh, really exciting stuff, and we'll talk about that more later. But what's coming up for pre-order uh, this Saturday is the highly anticipated Slaves to Darkness release for Age of Sigmar. What Slaves to Darkness says is, is kind of what Chaos uh, Warriors of Chaos used to be. It's sort of like the generic Mortal Chaos Forces. Uh, really exciting stuff. Everybody's been waiting for this since Age of Sigmar dropped. The Chaos Warrior is the most iconic uh, fantasy model, Age of Sigmar model uh, in, in the GW range. It's one of the most iconic. I'd say right behind the Space Marine, the Chaos Warrior is the most iconic model in uh, Games Workshop whole model line. It's, it goes all the way back to the very, very beginning. Um, anybody played like Hero Quest and stuff like that, that they, they go all the way back into the ye old days of Games Workshop making models. Really cool, and, and the thing I like the most about this release is that they stay true to the aesthetic, like you pick it up and you instantaneously know what it is. It's just uh, now that they're not constrained by the requirement to fit on a base that was really too small for them and to rank up in, uh, in regiments with the rank and file, they're, they're free to kind of make way more dynamic models, and that's exactly what they've done. So it's a new spin on an old classic. They look fantastic. I'm a huge fan of it, and uh, I think that this is just going to be the next step in the evolution of this, you know, Storied an iconic line. The models are absolutely
0: awesome. They're great. And yeah. they in, in true GW fashion They introduce a brand new Beastie that I love uh, that the Chaos Lord is writing. I have no idea what that thing's called It's like a lizard thing with a horn. On He's riding
1: head. on like a street shark
0: or something. Yeah, it's so cool And and I love it when GW does stuff like this they introduce one or two interesting monsters or things from the Age of Sigmar setting for a new model. And it just makes me want to learn more about what that thing is. The
1: Battle Iguanodon.
0: Yes. If, if I were in Age of Sigmar, I would be like a zoologist. I'd probably get eaten right away, Yeah, but I would try.
1: And it's, they look amazing. And the new Chaos Knights, I love them. The old ones were fantastic, but again, they were confined by the need to rank up. And the new ones are much more freeform, so to speak. And they're brilliant. Uh, however, let's also take a look at some of the rules that they previewed for the new Slaves to Darkness battle tome. So, in the article over at Warhammer Community, if you want to read the whole thing, you can. It's also posted up on FrontlineGaming.org. Uh, they talk about the, the sort of what it means to have a kiosk warband because it's it's evolved so much over time. And basically, there's there's five I think there's five ways to do it. There's four sub factions within the book, and they allow you to play it in a multitude of different ways. Um, there's kind of like the generic mortal horde uh, with lots of like cultists and uh, marauders. Sort of the more like Viking style um, uh, way to do it. Then there, you could play the ultra elite version, which would have been like the Vanguard. Um I think they were, I can't, they're like the Archeon's host or something yeah, like that Varengar. previously. Yeah. Um, you can do that where everyone is like an ultimate badass. You've got Archeon, the Varengarde. Um, all the other really cool models available to them. You can play it with more monsters, uh, which is really cool because they've come out with a bunch of new uh, kits that uh, really allow you to go nuts. You know, the Chimera model, that one's a little bit older. But then the new, um, the new one coming out in the Warcry expansion, uh, the big brother to the Thaumaturge. I can't remember the, the name of them off the top of my head. The Ogroid something or other. You look, he's amazing. He's like a, a Viking, you know, monster man. And you can make an army that's geared in that direction. And then there's one that focuses on magic. Um, and then some of the rules which we'll get into are re- extraordinarily powerful. So uh, let's dive in and talk about it. So the first one is Dark Prophecy. This is ludicrously so strong. insane. Like,
0: uh,
1: I'm interested. Like, the rule's already been in the game, but you had to play it. There was a lot of restrictions to get it. Now it's It's not. And if you've played Age of Sigmar, you know how powerful this set is. Basically, uh, use this command ability at the start of your hero phase if Archaeon is your general and on the battlefield. If you do so, roll a die and keep the result hidden from your opponent. If you roll a one through three, your opponent has to take priority on the next initiative. If you roll a four through six, you have to take priority on the next initiative. So what this means is, in a game with alternating initiative, meaning who goes first, you know at the start of your turn, who's going next? Yeah. That's like the most powerful possible <laughs> yeah. rule mechanic I could imagine in Age of Sigmar.
0: Yes, you, you reveal the die at the start of your turn and then the result determines if you go first, your opponent goes first. It only happens once, but you only need it to happen once. You just need to get a double turn once and then that's it.
1: Is it limited to once per game?
0: Uh, I don't know. It says so. No, it just says you, you use it as a command ability you reveal you can reveal the result at the start of the next battle round so i would i would think that you that you when you reveal the result
1: no you do it every turn you, if it's a command ability you can use it every turn as long as archeon's alive
0: oh you can use it at the start of your oh my gosh that's even I know. worse.
1: so like the only way that this could be more powerful is if you chose the outcome or if you could modify it it's still random but you know at bef- you know when you're playing your turn if you're going if you're going to get a double turn or not next turn That's ludicrously strong. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's insane, right? Like, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, we'll see in practice how powerful it actually is. Uh, My 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 gut reaction to it is like, holy crap.
0: And Archeon, Archeon isn't exactly like from a competitive standpoint. Archeon isn't actually doesn't seem to be used a whole lot. He's
1: bonkers. Like the thing that made him. The thing that made him ridiculous is when you could use him with fate dice to auto kill anybody in combat. Yes, that was silly. But even before that, like Frankie and um, Frankie and one of the, the uh, employees from Games Workshop went to played at the Adepticon team tournament, and this was back when everybody thought Archeon sucked, and they steamrolled everybody. They got max battle points, smashed everybody that they played. And this was a couple years ago, but um, I think he was underrated. For sure. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, he's, he's he's definitely a good powerhouse model. Yeah. For sure. It,
1: without question. And the Age of Sigmar meta, like it's still developing, and it's still a relatively small game. It's it's one of the biggest tabletop games, um, out in the world, but it's still a relatively small player base. So like, there's so much that flies under the radar in Age of Sigmar. Like, for example, back you know uh, before the Free Cities got updated, before the edition rolled over, like I was winning most of the games I played. And I was talking to some of the the devs and they're like, you're you're there, they told me like, you're like one of the only people we know that plays competitive free cities. That's how small the player pool is. It's So like, there's so much, there's so much room to break the mold in Age of Sigmar, like way more than in 40K. In 40K, my estimate is that it's five, at least five times as big as Age of Sigmar, if not more from all the data I can see. uh, it's probably even bigger than that, to be honest. But just like in match play, um, th- the broken combos tend to get found, found really quickly. Um, and even in 40k, sometimes something will fly under the radar and it'll be months. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, somebody's like, oh, look at this thing you can do with this book that's been out and everybody missed it. But in Age of Sigmar, it's like, if you're a really creative person that's willing to dig, there's so much that goes undiscovered in that game. Um, anyway, kind of a tangent. But uh, it's, it's interesting if, if you are like that creative person that likes to go kind of make your own list, do your own thing, AOS has a lot of room for that. But the, the average player kind of goes along with the with the crowd. Um, you just see a lot of people copying each other and that's that's true of, uh, of any game. Uh, let's take a look at another one of the rules, Ritual of Corruption. And this is for the magic-oriented sub-faction. Uh, pick one friendly cabalist unit or cabalist unit within three inches of the wizard performing this uh, binding ritual and roll a dice on a three plus ritual successful and d3 models from that unit are slain then pick one predatory endless spell within 12 inches and then you can do a bunch of stuff basically you can take over somebody else's endless spell wow. so someone yeah someone casts what uh, whatever any predatory endless spell all of a sudden you turn it around and you make it go attack them
0: it's pretty cool yeah yeah you just need to lose some cabalists which, which who cares, cares. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's a, I play Beasts of Chaos as well, and that's one of the things you do is you you sacrifice your own little, like, Ungors, which who cares, and then you summon in a whole new unit. So very that's very chaos-y, very thematic, and very cool. Twisted Dominion, this was the other one that jumped out at me as being extraordinarily strong. <laughs> um, this is for the monster-themed chaos sub faction, where you can take a bunch of demon princes and big monsters and stuff like that. It'd be really fun to play, I think, Low Model Count Army and the monsters in AOS are very strong uh, because wounds spill over. If you do six damage, you kill six one-wound models. You don't just kill one with six wounds. Um, it's very powerful. Uh, so you pick friendly to spoilers, Demon Prince, uh, that finishes a move within six inches of a terrain feature, and then you can give that terrain feature the Pitch Black and Nightmare Chasm uh, scenery rules. Again, if you don't play AOS, they uh, you're supposed to, every piece of terrain is supposed to have some like magical quality to it. Um, in 40K, we tend to kind of like brush those rules aside and, and not use them as much. In AOS, you do, and they're very strong. They toned them down, though, for this edition. Thankfully, last edition, they were a bit much, in my opinion. Um, the pitch black one is gnarly. You make a piece of terrain block line of sight for your opponent, but not for you. Um, in 40K, this would be broken, mm-hmm. Like, but in an in AOS where there's not as much shooting, it's still extremely good. It's not as crazy, but that's very strong. Uh you like oh like for example, my free people's army, that's a shooting army, all of a sudden you're like, you can't see past this piece of training and all my monsters are behind it. Well, shoot. <laughs> that's not that's not good. That's really bad. Yeah. And then the other one, Nightmare Chasm at the start of each hero phase roll of dice uh, for this terrain feature on a six, each in me unit within one inch suffers D three mortal ones. That's cool. It's not as cool, but like if you, if someone set up their whole army in a piece of terrain,
0: Might be able to get them.
1: you'll get a couple of them that, that one's like kind of neat, but the pitch black one can be game changing. It's really strong. Uh, the next one's called rally the tribes very This is extremely common in AOS. Many, many factions can do this. Uh, but basically if your warlord can bring in, he, he like calls his homies, to come out and join in on the on the beatdown, as one does. As one does, he throws up the bat signal, the eight the eight pointed star signal, <laughs> and then some guys who are like hanging out right off the battlefield, are like, oh hey, what's going on? And they run on. You can summon in a unit of ten Chaos Marauders, uh, five Horsemen, or one uh, Cultist unit of up to ten models, and then they appear within six inches of a edge of a table and join in on the battle. This is mega common in AOS. Like most factions have some mechanic like this. Except the Freeples, they can't do it.
0: (laughs) They don't got homies.
1: They don't got the homies.
0: That's that's it. You know what I mean? All right.
1: You can take this one away, buddy, if you
0: want. Glory for the taking. Uh, This one's if your general is not a demon prince, you can pick one command trait for up to five different friendly Ravagers heroes, um, who I believe are... The
1: Ravagers, the the last one we just talked about is for Ravagers as well.
0: Yes. This is for
1: like the mortal, like the kind of the Warriors of Chaos, like traditional old school army
0: okay Yep. Uh, in addition to the command trait your general can have you must pick a different command trait for each of these heroes and none of them can have more than one command trait you can use these command traits for these heroes even though they are not your general so i don't know it's really 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 good i don't know much about age Sigmar, but i do know that if you were to give this to a 40k unit it would be pretty crazy it it basically says you
1: could activate five guys warlord traits
0: yes so
1: in, in uh, AOS, heroes have a command trait, and then they have, usually have command abilities, too. Um, it, it, it's essentially That's essentially what it is, is you're turning on multiple Warlord traits. So it's extremely good.
0: Yeah. And uh, then also at the start of your hero phase, you can pick one Ravager's hero that is on the battlefield and has a command trait, uh, to, and then you make them your Warlord. Uh, they become the general until your next hero phase, so that's important for specific Age of Sigma abilities. Let's say if this this uh, well more, command abilities or too. command abilities. Yeah. yeah, this is your your generals can use command abilities. I believe. so yeah, you
1: spend a command point to activate a command ability, yes. and some of them are extra are extraordinarily strong. Yeah,
0: and the ability to like
1: mix it up. If I'm reading this correctly, I could I could be wrong, of course, but the ability to mix it up and be able to like oh this turn I want to activate this one, it's, it's very good.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like it's very powerful. Uh, and then finally, the aura of corn. This is bonkers. So you can reroll hit rolls of one for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly slaves of darkness corn units wholly within twelve inches of this model. In addition, if the model is a general, add one to the wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly slaves of darkness corn units within wholly within twelve inches of the model. That is nuts. How would you like to have everybody get veterans of the law? <laughs> Adding one to wound rolls in Age of Sigmar. Is in insane. Any, well, it, in any
1: D6 based game, right. that's, ins- that's so strong.
0: Yeah, but specifically Age of Sigmar, where where things are commonly winning you on fours, yeah. and anything can hurt anything.
1: So, the, and then these auras of the gods, um, as I understand it, these are subfaction agnostic. So anybody can take these. You just have to theme them, give them the mark of whatever Shazinch, Undivided. And one would assume there's other auras based on all the, the various gods. And there's probably one for undivided as well, which is, you know, dyed in the wool. That's exactly the way chaos has always been. Right. It sounds like they're going back to their roots of allowing you to really customize. Um, so this is, in my opinion, this is so, so cool. The latest age of Sigmar battle tomes have been awesome. Like, uh, the free peoples, the free cities, there's so many different ways to build an army. It's, it's crazy. Like, yeah. You really can let your imagination go wild, which I love that because making a themed army that's also powerful is a that's good for the game. That's that's good for the casual player. That's good for the, the hobbyist. It's good for the, the uh, match play gamer. If if they can do that with everything going forward, the Games Workshop hobby is going to go to new heights. Yes, right. Like if the Space Marine book, for as disruptive as it has been to the meta, is a, a perfect example of this. You can make a, a, an army that is true to the lore that's very strong right yes. like you can oh, make, yeah. you know you can make an iron hands vehicle army that's got all kinds of tech marines running around it looks exactly like you would imagine it to look and it's good
0: yeah and on that note specifically with the space the space marines codex and supplements even though there are uh, a lot of complaints about it being a strong faction and it is it's a strong faction there are tons and tons of players who don't go to tournaments who are so happy with what the Space Marines got because of that, because they have so many options. There's so many different choices for their, all their thousands and thousands of uh, of successor chapters and their custom paint schemes. Um, so, it, you know, if for every one or two posts that I see talking about how Space Marines are too strong, I see a ton of people who are just like, I get to bust out my Raptors again, or I get a, you know, bust out my Thunder Warrior, I don't know, whatever whatever they want to call their successor chapter, pink unicorns. But yeah, no, it's it's good for the game, it, it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's they are too strong. It's it's the the evidence is there. It's it's written clear as day. No one can deny it. Like they are, they're too good. They're overrepresented. They disrupted the meta big time. But as I think we're seeing now with like psychic awakening and chapter approved, the game is always in flux. Yeah. And uh, now we're getting some other armies that are going to get up there and be able to punch with the big boys. Uh, so the marine dominance, it is a thing. It's going to continue for the you know, at least the short term, uh, but it's going to get chipped away at steadily, right? Like, um, we'll get to it as, as we go, but, you know, Blood Angels are going to be punching up there with the heavyweights now. Um, I don't know if people are going to like that or not because it's more Marines, <laughs> but at least we're going to get a little bit, it's a different flavor at the very least. But before we get to that, uh, why don't we talk about the Las Vegas Open 2020? Um, we're about two months away, just a little under two months away and it's time to start getting everything uh, you know, tightened up, make sure that everybody has clear expectations on um, you know, w- w- what the standards are gonna be. Uh, we're working on our, the PSA that we put out every year to, to really try and communicate as clearly as possible to everybody coming what they should expect, specifically for people playing in, in uh, uh, the 40K events, Age of Sigmar events, for other events, the FFG, Privateer Press, uh, Corvus Belly, et cetera, et cetera, the individual TO is going to be communicating that information. So you want, uh, you want to reach out to them if you are playing, you know, bolt action or whatever, because uh, we've seen tremendous growth in all those other games as well. Uh, and for 40K specifically, which we're going to talk about right now, uh, and with Age of Sigmar, Scott, the TO, is working on all of that. And he's really good at communicating that to the Age of Sigmar community that comes to the event. Um, uh, we're making some changes for uh, the 40k side of thing nothing really major uh just kind of like an elevation of standards and uh we want to make sure that we communicate this clearly so that people are not caught off guard uh, this is going to go up on a blog post it's going to go out in an individual podcast the tfg radio guys are going to do that um, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that this is very clearly communicated it's going to go up on the LVL site etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh a big one, and I, and I want to apologize that we've been saying the opposite on this. Um, we were saying that we were going to allow Legends units. There was a miscommunication internally. And then after getting feedback from all the TOs and the ITCTO uh, Facebook group, who were almost universally strongly against it, made some really strong arguments talking to Games Workshop. Uh, and then there was this base, some, some basic miscommunications as to how Legends was going to work. That was That's on me. Um, and then when we actually got the book in our hands, I noticed that some of the assumptions that I was working under were wrong. So a little bit of egg on my face in that regard, but we are reversing course on that. We are, we are following the legends guidelines for the LVO, meaning that legends units will not be allowed. Uh, very sorry if that confused anybody or if that screws up someone's list, Um, sincerely apologize for that. But looking at what the, what the consequences would have been. It would have been far more uh, confusing to not follow these guidelines at this point in time um, for a whole number of reasons which I don't have time to get into. So we are sticking with Legends as it is written with Games Workshop. I know there's a little bit of confusion right now in regards to exactly how it's implemented. I'm sure they'll address that in time. The rules just came out like an hour before we started recording the show. Uh, so... You will not be allowed to use Legends units at the Las Vegas Open this year. Uh, Some of the ones we were worried about actually didn't get cut to Legends. Um, They're still in there and, or they're like in available through Forge World. It's a little, it is what it is. (laughs) So uh, just be aware of that. Um, And again, I apologize that we've been communicating the wrong message up until this point in time. You know, sometimes miscommunications happen. Um, So just be aware of that. And... um, You know, we'll we'll sing a sad song
0: for. Everybody hurts.
1: Sometimes.
0: Everybody cries. And then just repeat that over and over with my voice as you're reading through your data sheets of all the units that have been legends. And uh, yeah, play
1: play taps. Sing a song. Wish them a fawn farewell as they ride off into the sunset.
0: Yeah, and, and this was, I think this is something that everyone kind of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, it, the, the the units from the Nexus weren't added on. You know, we always kind of knew GW was going to do something with them. They did something with the Age of Sigmar units and the, the Legends did, the, did them. And then the AOS community kind of knew that that was the end for a lot of those factions and units. Um, so 40k was naturally going to have the same thing happen to it. So
1: Yeah, and if you look at Age of Sigmar, right, like... Um... Uh, Tomb Kings, for example, got squatted. And now we have the Oziarch Bone Reapers, which are kind of the same thing but just infinitely cooler looking. So, does that make you feel better when you bought, built, and painted a whole army? No, it doesn't. But for the for the big picture, right, like looking at the game as a whole, was that the right move for a Games Workshop to make? I think it pretty clearly was. Um, the game is always evolving, going, moving forward. And um, it stinks. Your corn, your lord of Corn, you know, had some good memories, killed a lot of uh, loyalist lap dogs to the Emperor, but uh, his day is coming gone. So. Rest in
0: peace, Calgar and Artificer Armor. No longer tell Reese because Calgar said so.
1: Womp, womp, womp. So, at any rate, that that is what it is. And then again, we'll make sure to communicate this as clearly as possible because there will be some confusion on that. And we'll do everything we can to make sure that everyone's aware. The other part of it is uh, GW. This isn't recent, they came out with it last year, but we're, we're implementing it this year. They're, they're, I can't remember. They call it their like battle ready standard or something like that. I can't remember. But they put out a chart with images of what is uh, considered to be a minimum tabletop standard and then like a fully painted standard. We are implementing this as this is how you should interpret the three colors and based minimum that we enforce for our events. It's the middle picture. Yes, that has more than three colors on it. We are aware of it, but looking at that, that is an indicator of what we mean when we say your army needs to be three colors and based. That does not mean that it's primed black and then you put two dots of one, you know, two different color paint or you paint a stripe on their head, right? And then the barrel of the gun, silver on every model. That is not what we mean look at this. It means a good faith attempt to paint the model three separate distinct colors and actually painting it uh, and basing it, right? Um, so this is the standard that you're going to be held to at the event. Um, just be aware of it. We will pull models off the table. Uh, if they're not, we've done it before. It's not fun. It ruins someone's experience. So just be aware there's still plenty of time to get ready to adapt to yeah.
0: this. And, and this this picture has been around the internet for a long time. Yeah. Um pretty much since eighth edition first dropped. And uh, it, whenever I got asked a question uh you know about uh, the BAO or the Socal open for what the paint standards were when we switched to those, I usually just sent them a, this picture and said the middle one anyways. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are jumping on to the the middle one for their painting. Um but there of course there are some people who still who still hold on to it. The old three color minimum highlight blue, blue, and then dark blue wash, yeah, and then call it a day. So, uh, and and as GW says, the, these models look fine from a distance. And I'm not the greatest hobbyist in the world; They barely paint, but I do think it's good for the overall health of the game. And it, it is really cool to go to a tournament and have bystanders go to a tournament and look at models that are that are painted and and you know just look better on the tabletop, which I think is good.
1: Yeah, I mean, you come to a big event. You should have the the expectation that you're going to be playing against a painted army on a good-looking table of terrain. That that should be the baseline expectation when you're paying money, you're traveling to an event, um, and that's the standard that we are establishing for the LVO, right? because the, the, the minimum is what unfortunately, or whatever, like I'm guilty of it myself sometimes, is what you get for, for a lot of people. So this is what it is. Uh, you've been you've been warned. And for those of you listening to the podcast, you can go look at the picture on the show notes at frontlandgaming.org. Uh, so be aware of that. So some other things that we're implementing because of a, as a reaction to what we saw at the SoCal Open. Um, this is gonna be a big one. Uh, your army needs to look coherent. And what that means specifically is, and we saw this a lot at the SoCal Open and it was made my eyes bleed, it was hideous. If you have a, an army of iron hands, I'm gonna use this as an example because it's probably gonna be the most common example uh, in the game, right? And the new hotness is taking a bunch of centurions, like 18 centurions, which in my opinion is diminishing returns. I think you better off with one unit of six, but whatever. And let's say you have six centurions and they're painted red. And you go to your buddy and you borrow his six centurions and they're painted blue. And then you go to your other buddy and you borrow six centurions and they're painted green. And then you put them all in your army and your army's all iron hands. And you go, yep, this is my iron hands army. They're all painted and based differently. That is not, that's not going to fly uh, at the event. It looks horrible. Definitely not within the spirit of the rule. So <clears throat> your entire army or each faction within your army needs to look coherent, right? Does that mean they have to be painted exactly as they are in the Codex? And the example we're using of Iron Hands, do they need to be painted black with Iron Hands uh, iconography? No, they don't. They can be painted whatever color you want as long as you're consistent. So if all the Iron Hands in your army are pink because that's the way you wanted to do it, that's fine, right? As long as your opponent can look at it and visually identify what that faction within your army is supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Does this mean that we're going to be draconian about it? Well, do you have to paint your librarians and your chaplains pink too in this example that we're using? No, use common sense. Librarians are often painted blue despite the chapter that they're in. Uh, chaplains usually painted black despite the chapter that they're in. Right. And you can apply that to not just base marines, but to anybody else. Use common sense. And if you're with if you have a doubt, if you're worried about it, take a picture of it. Send it in and we'll let you know. But the main thing is to be consistent and to have your opponent be able to visually identify what everything is. And then the common reaction is well, I'm only taking one faction, but I borrowed it from 10 different friends. That's not going to fly anymore. It looks awful.
0: Yeah. And and, um, so I'm going to be truthful here and then I have a question for you, Reese. Uh, At first, I was against this. Um, You know, I came around to it. We, We talked about it a lot, we even argued a little bit about it. Um, but ultimately, I do think it's good for the game. And what we're essentially trying to do is we're we're trying to eliminate borrow hammer, what that's called. So that that term's a very common term. It's where you borrow people's units right before the tournament to play a specific army. Uh, and a, as Reese already said, they they don't plan on being draconian draconian about it. If you're like me and you have a lot of models that were painted by different commission artists uh, with different bases, or or maybe the, the, their shade of blue isn't quite the same as the match of the army, but they're their tabletop quality armies, or in some cases, maybe even showcase pieces. Reese, would, would those specific models be okay as long as the majority of the army was coherent?
1: The as long as you can look at it and tell, right? This is an old like you, we we call uh, Pablo's Ultramarine Army the Blue Rainbow. Because every unit is like a slightly different color of blue because he's acquired it. In that, in that instance, again, use common sense and if you're in doubt, take a picture and send it in. But if you can look at it, if your opponent can look at it and go like, okay, that's clearly an ultramarines army, or all the ultramarines in it are blue and I can identify them. And maybe you have like a guard detachment, the loyal 32, which is not as popular as it used to be, but it's an example most people will understand. And that's a Cadian detachment and they're all Cadian models. Or if they're not all Cadian models they are all painted the same, right? It's not a, a hodgepodge there. You're like, okay, I can identify who in your army are Cadians and who are Ultramarines, even if there's some slight variation, that would be fine.
0: Yeah, and and uh, <clears throat> the in regards to the blue rainbow, I have been getting better about that. But there there are people who who uh, try out different paint schemes when they when they paint their army, or maybe they just have different bases. Maybe they picked up some cool Sector Imperialis bases from GW and modeled a couple units that way, or or got commissions. We're, we're not targeting new guys we're we're targeting the specifically the borrow hammer the armies that look particularly bad like the guys who bring like gray knight strike squads and their iron hands lists and the gray knights are like skewering chaos demons but he's telling you oh they're they're tactical marines
1: well that's, that's complete. that's a different that's <laughs>
0: proxy and that's but, again that's not okay either but, but that's a specific example that i that i saw um at a tournament like two weeks ago fair like, enough oh, okay well,
1: at soquel open it was particularly bad we had guys that had like literally almost every single unit in their army was a different color. Yes. And it was it like, seriously, like it gave me a headache. I was like, what am I looking at? And technically it was, it fit within the, the previous version of our appearance standard rules because the whole faction was consistently,
0: they were you know, all painted to a tabletop quality. Yeah.
1: And it was a loophole, but now we're closing that loophole and uh, just be aware of it. Right. So um, if you, another way to get around this that is acceptable, uh, let's say your whole army is, you have, uh, Tyranids and everyone's painted in a behemoth color scheme, but you want to use a uh, Kraken detachment. So you can use your Kraken missile gene sealers, and then you want to use another detachment of Jormungandr or whatever. Uh, you can distinguish them without repainting the model. You can paint the rim of the base a different color, or you can put squad clicks. What, what are they called? Base clickers or
0: uh, yeah. I can't Some remember. Rubber what, squad, bands. squad marks. I, I've it. seen rubber no, bands. No, rubber bands is
1: not going to fly anymore. That's hideous. Oh, okay. All right. It's well, garbage. Um, you, you need to make it visually distinct on the model. Don't put hair clips on them or whatever stupid stuff people are doing. Um, you can get, uh, I think they're called squad marks, and you can put those on the bottom of the base, and you, you color them a certain color. They're all visually distinct. They don't look stupid with your kid sister's scrunchie on it to distinguish them as being in a different detachment, which is come on.
0: The idea is
1: to make it look nice so that people come and have a good time.
0: (laughs) But, but yeah, that that makes sense. Then the rubber bands did look a little weird. They look
1: stupid. You have, you have someone's rubber bands that they put on their braces on all of your models. Like, come on.
0: Uh, It was functional, but
1: sure, sure it is. But the thing is, is like, where do you draw the line? And that's actually a good segue. I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, We'll come back around and finish this discussion, but this is a good point because it was interesting. It was really interesting to see this reaction. So Salty John recently wrote an article on Frontline talking about how uh, with a lot of tournaments we've seen in the last couple of years, as the tournament scene has exploded and the match play community has gone bananas, uh, we're seeing a lot of people trying to jump into the game doing like GTs and majors and having just abysmal terrain, like horrifically bad terrain and uh, John wrote an article basically saying like, hey, this is, not, this is not okay. Like we as a community need to up the standard. And it was really interesting because there were some people that reacted very negatively to it. And it, I was very curious to see what the rationale was, right? As, we, as we're trying to elevate the standard. And one of the common arguments was like, oh, it's functional. And I'm like, sure, sure. But at what point, where do you draw the line, right? Like the game, like it or not, is deeply rooted in aesthetics. It's half model railroading, half chess, right? Like it would mix with risk. Or poker is probably a better- um, uh, It's a half game, half- Yeah, it's half it model railroading, half poker is a, a much better uh, analogy. And mm-hmm. some people make the argument like, oh, it's, you know, but it's functional. And I do understand that, and I, we do understand all too well how expensive it is to get going in tournaments. Like, come on. <laughs> We've been doing this for years and we started with literally nothing. And back before there was even the option of cheap MDF terrain, that wasn't even a thing um, back then. So we understand all too well. At what point, where do you draw the line, right? Like, do you wanna go full War Machine where it's unpainted models on two-dimensional terrain? It's like, why even use models? At that point, you go Avalon Hill games where you have paper chits to tell you what it is on a flat piece of paper. That's as functional and as affordable as it can possibly get. That sucks. There's a reason nobody plays those games anymore. There's a reason why War Machine is not doing so hot. And it's a lot of it in my opinion is because of the appearance standard got totally neglected, right? So if someone's gonna pay money to come to an event, they're gonna take time away from their friends and their family it's going to have, especially the ITC stamp on it, as like this is a professionally run event. <clears throat> to, to as much of an extent as you can in an independent uh, organization like this, they should have a reasonable expectation of what they're going to get. An unpainted MDF trainer, in some instances, we've. And to explain where this comes from, uh, as the administrators of the ITC, when an event is crappy. We are the ones that often get contacted. A lot of the times these people don't even contact the TO, they come straight to us, which mm-hmm. does, is, is not the way you're supposed to do it. So we see all of this negative feedback with pictures of events that are have unpainted foam on a, a piece of wood. <clears throat> and that's the event. We actually had an event that had the terrain still in the boxes and they literally put the boxes on the table, I'm not kidding. They put the boxes on the table okay as
0: L's. just imagine this
1: yeah imagine it, if we would have actually built this now there's always a reason there's always a reasonable explanation for this like oh the person that was supposed to build the train didn't do it oh i didn't budget enough time to do it one guy one guy's excuse was he thought that the terrain came built and painted well why are you running a, an event in a if you don't even know that much so the the, the there needs to be a call to action. There needs to be a standard set. If you want to be, if you want people to give you money and take time away from family and friends to come participate in your event, you are obligated to give them a certain standard of event if you want to be taking it all seriously. And if we want the match play community to continue to grow, if we want the ITC to be a respected brand uh, in this, if you want to be a part of the ITC, you can't run some chicken league event and expect to be, you know, a part of the the the, the crew, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and and I don't want to pile on uh, to new tos more. Um, <clears throat> there, there, I you know, not every tos first event is amazing with a beautiful terrain. I understand that, and and to kind of like segue a little in, into. Resources for TOs, uh, there are tons of resources. If you're a new TO and maybe you're guilty of one of these things, maybe you ran out of time and you needed to put boxes of terrain on the board or maybe you can only put unpainted terrain on the board, there are videos of tutorials to show how you can put out good looking terrain at affordable prices. Quickly, um, we have one in on frontline gaming.org with Maurice. I've skills. written I've
1: written multiple tutorials on how you can get a table of terrain cheap as chips.
0: Yeah, you can sign up for the ITC Patreon where you get access to Reese personally, <laughs> who even though even though I don't have a lot of respect for him, you know, as a person,
1: have you seen this mustache? <laughs> you better watch I, what you say. I don't have say. a lot of
0: respect for that mustache, but I do have a lot of respect for him as uh, an administrator and as someone who runs tournaments. Um, He's absolutely put out the golden standard, in my opinion, um, for what a 40K tournament should look like. And so just getting access to him in the ITC Patreon, uh, asking him questions, is just a huge resource. And on top of that, FrontlineGaming.org does a lot to help TOs, uh, not only with the ITC, but we sell affordable terrain, uh, MDF terrain, a really good quality MDF terrain uh, that you can put onto the tabletop. I've literally seen this terrain cut, painted, and put on a tabletop and seen the results. Uh, and, and I also personally worked on the train. So, it, and on top of that, if you have any other questions, you can email, you can email me. Maybe you can email Reese. He's very busy right now. Uh, but there's other people, other TOs who have put in the work and put in the hours who will be more than happy to share their experiences and knowledge with you. So if you're in UTO, TO, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's tough, but just do your research. You know, it's, you don't have to put out the perfect tournament at, for your very first event. However, just put a little bit of research into it and I guarantee you the research is there.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, to address, I, I agree with everything you said and I thank you for the nice words. I appreciate that. Um, to address some of the comments in chat, it's interesting because I, I, was, I was really like almost taken aback at the response. And to be fair, some of the people that were upset at John's article, their tournaments were pictured in and they were like, hey, I'm taking this as a personal attack and here's, an, here's a reason why the terrain was the way it was. It wasn't meant to be a personal attack. He didn't call anybody out by name. He didn't name any events. He just found pictures that illustrated his point. So if anybody felt like it was aimed at them, it wasn't. So please accept apologies on that. Uh, but, you know, you shouldn't run an event with unpainted terrain either if you're running a GT or major level event. There's not a whole lot of excuses for that. Um, to your point, uh, or to first to address a couple of these, uh, Germanticore in the chat says London GT used all Ls. Uh, that's not true. They didn't. Uh, they had two L's on every table, but if you look at them, they're really, really high quality. They're actually more of like a ruin. They have levels to them. You could put models in them. They're actually quite nice. Yeah. They, their terrain was real. I actually, I le- my only complaint was that I would have liked to have seen some enclosed ruins or some magic boxes. I know that's a very controversial topic, but um, like a perfect example, uh, Eldar Flyers uh, smoked everybody at the LGT. They went first and second. Um, they, won the, they won the open and the invitational, and that's because there was literally nowhere to hide from them. Um, I, the, one of my only losses there was I got smoked by an Eldar flyer list, and it was, I literally couldn't hide. There was nowhere on the table I could go. And uh, uh, having an ability to hide from things like flyers, I think, is very important. Uh, otherwise, I think their terrain was amazing. It was yeah. beautiful. So if you want, you can actually buy the set of terrain. If you go uh, look look around online, go take a look at it. It's not just L's. They had all kinds of ruins and hills, area terrain. That was very – I would say that's not the highest possible quality terrain, but it's right up there. Uh, Really, really good. What we're seeing is some of these tournaments are putting out – it's literally like three pieces of MDF to make like – a a little L shape in it, they're, in my opinion, they're, they're aesthetically extremely un, unappealing. And if you're, imagine if you're a new player, like you're a 12 year old kid, which is like the magic age for 40K, and you're walking around and you're at a, like a, a gaming event or whatever, you go into your game store and you see people playing with unpainted models on a crummy board that has completely unadorned, just MDF, that is not going to entice you to get involved. Right? Your event is never going to rise up to be a premier event if you're using unadorned MDF that are just like roughly geometric shapes. It's yeah. not going to be taken seriously. Yeah. It's just not. That's the long and the short of it. You have to elevate the standard if you want it to, be, to go beyond just the most hardcore competitive gamers that don't care. Like Pablo, you don't care as much about aesthetics. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not putting you down. I'm not saying you're wrong. In the minority. You are 100% in... 100% of
0: the minority.
1: All the data that we have shows that you represent a tiny subset of a tiny niche. Like, the MASH play community is the smallest community in a small community of tabletop gamers, and of those, the ones that don't care about aesthetics are even smaller. Yeah. So if you really want to set yourself up for long-term success and and draw in as many people as possible, aesthetics, looks, absolutely matter. They just do. And there's there's literally no excuse for putting unpainted terrain on the table at anything other than an RTT. Even at an RTT, I wouldn't do it. Um, and for all the people that are, are, are trying to put out the mea culpa of, oh, but starting an event is hard. I'm like, who do you think you are talking to? Like, we... <laughs> Like you said, we created solutions for people. The the mats, the terrain, we sell all of these at a discount to tournament organizers if they buy in bulk. We sell it at a deep discount. So if you're out there and you're a TO and you're like, oh, wow, this is expensive. Yeah, it is. But we've done everything possible from writing guidelines to, to making this stuff affordable. Like, There's no excuse for putting crap on the table and charging someone 50 bucks to come to your event. It's just not. It's, it's, you have a, you have an ethical obligation to give a good event to people paying their money.
0: Yeah, And
1: there's, you know, when we did the first BAO, we had zero assets, nothing. I owned three tables of terrain myself, total, right? Half the crew were 20 years old. No, I was the only one that wasn't 20. Three of the guys were two years out of high school. They had no money, nothing. And we did a, a like 100. I can't remember the first year, it was like 110, 120 people. We did it back then when there was really no MDF terrain. We had to use, we had to buy GW terrain or make everything by hand. And everything was done, everything was painted, almost every table was themed. We rented the venue, we paid for all the prize support out of our pocket. With, there was none of this stuff that you have now with all the people throwing prize support at you. And we did it all and we made 14 bucks on our first event. So anybody that comes to me and goes, oh, it's hard. I'm like, cry me a river. We did it with a bunch of, with, with no example of how to do it, no instructions, and we figured it all out as a bunch of kids and got it done. So you can do it. Yeah. I know it's hard. That's why we put all these uh, resources out there to help you get it done. Yeah. So, and more anyway. importantly,
0: other people are doing it too. Not, not, it's not just Reese and he's not just waving a magic wand. Um, there are other events that are popping up that are looking really good. And I think that's part of the reason why I find it so frustrating is that on one hand, I'll see like a GT level event uh, that, that someone puts out that looks amazing. And like, I'd really like to go to that event. And on the other hand, I see a same GT event or similarly sized GT event on another part of the country or another part of the world. And it doesn't look so hot. And maybe I get an email about it complaining about the terrain or something. And I'm just like, I just wonder, like, what what are the circumstances that led both of these two events, first-time events, to, you know, act so differently, right? And um, the bottom line is, is that people are putting out good terrain, good events. It's happening. And there are resources online for you to do that. And um, you should do that. You do have an obligation to this community if you decide to run, especially a GT-level event.
1: Yeah, if you're trying to run a premier event, you have to give a premier experience, period. That's the, that is the bottom line, right? Like you are now acting as someone that has been hired to perform a service, unless you want all zero ratings on-
0: uh, <laughs> On 40K Yelp? <laughs> yeah, on
1: 40K Yelp. And it's gonna come to a point then when you, if, if you do wanna participate in the ITC and you do wanna have a GT or major event, you have, you, you're gonna have to maintain a certain level of standard because you're making everyone else look bad. Right. So I think we've hammered on that point. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll jump back over to the notes. Jump um, off the soapbox. Yeah. It's just, it's something I'm passionate about because we have, like, anybody who's like trying to cry me a river about terrain, I've been making terrain every year for 10 years. And you've seen the the, 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 the exacting standard that we push it to. Give me a break. Working. At like 60, 80 hours a week, still finding a way to get it done. Yeah. There's no excuse.
0: Yeah. Also keep in mind, this is our literal jobs. So
1: Even before that,
0: that's true. before
1: Frontline yeah. Gaming existed and all of us were working full-time jobs, I was in another startup working 60 to 70 hours a week, still got it done. Boom. Anyway, obviously I feel strongly about this. Um, so one of the other things with the appearance standards, and this is going to cause... Uh, ruffle some feathers, but I'm already in a fighting mood. So let's go. Um, we are required. We, after much debate, uh, and I'm hoping GW would put out a base chart for 40 K, which is not happening. We are requiring that all models be played on the correct size base. Finally, we finally, we've been kicking that can down the road long enough. We decided to pull the, pull the bandaid off. Um, so whatever the kit is sold on currently is what your models should be based at before anybody freaks out. There are lots of options for base extending rings. They're very cheap and made out of plastic. You can get them online. So if you're an Orc player like me and you've got a big Orc army, that's, those are the people that this is going to impact the most. Um, you know, Don't freak out. You can get base extenders they are very cost-effective. You have two months to get it done. So, um, yes, you need to be playing your models on the correct size basis because it does have a very impact, big impact on the way the game plays, especially in melee. Especially when you're trying to put a unit, in, hide a unit. Um, if you have still got space, marines on 28s, you know you need to put them on 32s, or put the base on a 32 millimeter base extender. And the other thing you'll notice is that the models just look, they look better on it. Um, yeah,
0: today. and this this wasn't. This wouldn't be such a, a huge issue if there are also people not trying to game it as well. Yeah. Uh, you you know, I've I've had people really high level players tell me like don't put the model don't model your model on this base, model it on the other base from the 1999 kit or whatever because it gives you yeah, an advantage does. here Then, you know. And you know, it's obviously gamers are going to game um but it, it's we need some sort of standardization and uh, like we said GW hasn't put out a base chart or anything like that. Nope. So, so
1: I was hoping that they could do it, and then we could just point at them. <laughs> but um, it, it it hasn't happened. I don't. I'm not certain that it's going to. Um, but it's incumbent upon us as a community to implement it because it does give you an unfair advantage, uh, especially like you said at high level play, um, when you can get an extra row of guys into combat or you can hide a unit uh, more easily or, you know, whatever. Um, The time has come. To be fair, we're one of the last big events that hasn't already done it. Almost everybody else has already done it. Um,
0: I just, I had a lot
1: of empathy for, you know, Johnny McOrkman, who's like, bruh, I got to rebase all these models. I was like, I know, it sucks.
0: Now, I do have a question for you, Reese. With the rebasing kits, the plastic kits, do you need the... Rebase and put flock on the.
1: No, it, that'll be fine. If you put base extenders on your models and they're already fully based and you don't feel like doing anything else, that's fine. It actually looks kind of sharp. It gives a, a clear, solid base around. And also, if you do need to uh, do this, it's a great opportunity to be able to distinguish units. You can paint them different colors. Mm and then put them on. Some of them, I think, snap together too, so you can take them off. Yeah,
0: they're super easy, they're and super easy it, to work with.
1: Maybe, uh, you know, it's time to make some lemonade out of these lemons, and you can distinguish units more clearly if you um, just spray them a different color. Yeah. So, uh, Anyway, okay, a lot to go over, but you know, there's a, these things are important. Um, and again, as a reminder, we do not, uh, This is there's no paper tigers when it comes to this. At the event, you will get models pulled. We've pulled a person's entire army. And then subsequently had to kick him out of the event because he was being, not conducting himself in a way uh, that a gentleman should. So it's, this, is not, this is not something that you want to um, roll the dice on, try and hide in the crowd and hope nobody notices.
0: Yeah, especially if you want to do well too, because uh, w- you know if you want to do well at that LVO, go four and two, five and one. You're going to be at the top tables. We're going to be able to see. Oh, well, we have a lot more judges roaming the top tables than the bottom tables because the bottom tables, those players just generally are there to have a good time and need need less judging. Um, you also have people like me, you know, uh, 40k casters, reporters, so to speak, who who are also taking pictures uh, of armies, of models, of key matchups. Uh, And you definitely don't want to be the guy whose picture gets taken by like a blogger posted online and then have like thousands of people say unpainted model on table 426. And then we just run over there and, you know, so just, just paint your models. And
1: And then just to let everybody know the judges do do regular circuits of the whole hall, but most of the rules questions tend to be towards the top tables. Um, So yeah, just paint your dang models and base them and you don't have to worry about anything. All right, so we're also gonna be tightening up the chess clock rules, I've already done that. Um, And then we're tightening up some of the wording, the wording on some of the missions in the ITC champions missions, uh, as a result of questions that popped up during SoCal Open, which um, the Space Marines uh, threw in some monkey wrenches into the equation, and we're gonna tighten all that up so that uh, people can be aware of it. And uh, yeah, we'll have all that information posted in full as we go. But let's talk about the blood of ball. And Chapter Proved, a little bit. There's already a ton of coverage on these topics, not only on the FLGN, uh, the podcast network, but on, you know, and go anywhere uh, where the people are producing content and there's tons of information. Um, so instead of trying to do like a bit, like an in-depth review of Blood of Ball or um, uh, Chapter Proved, I figured we'd just zoom in a little bit and talk about one specific. I want to talk about Tyranids. Uh, obviously, Blood Angels went and probably tier one, in my opinion, um, yep. with this, they're incredibly good. A lot of people are focusing on that. So I don't think we really need to cover it too much. Uh, Pablo and co did a pretty exhaustive analysis of chapter approved on the last chapter tactics. So we don't really need to go on that. We can do a quick flyby. I think the big winners chaos, space Marines, Eldar, Tyranids, um, they really came out smelling like roses in this. What about you, buddy?
0: Uh, well, I think uh, Chaos Space Marines are probably still the biggest winners. Oh, and Space Wolves. Uh, and Space Wolves and Dark Angels got some love too. Um, but I think the three big winners were actually Tau, Chaos Space Marines, and Space Wolves. Tau because they didn't get any of their points decreases. They only got points, in, or they only got points decreases, not any points increases. So the army as a whole, which was already pretty competitive with just a few units. Just got some extra tools uh, and we had, uh, I talked to some really good towel players who, who are already excited for some of the stuff that they can add to their army. And then, yeah, of course, space wolves and dark angels got the mini space Marine treatment and that they got all the points adjustments that the space Marines got and they got all of the eliminators and stuff. I actually, I don't think they got eliminators and stuff added to their codex. yet. but I can't remember. Blood angels that. did. Yeah, they, they got the full space Marine treatment. Um,
1: well, then you, you know, if, if you look at the template established by black Templars and blood angels in psychic awakening, you can make the assumption that if any of the other ones are going to be in Psychic Awakening, they're probably going to get the same thing.
0: Oh, yeah. It'd be criminal. Who what, what did
1: they preview in the next one? It's Space
0: Wolves and Grey Knights, I think, are the two.
1: It's Thousand Suns. I
0: don't remember. Yeah,
1: no. It is, like, if it's Thousand Suns, it's probably Space Wolves because they're they're always yeah. the antithesis to one another. Um, but I will, I will say uh, they're slowing down with the Psychic Awakening. They've been saying it's going to be one per month. Yep. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm hoping... That uh, the next one comes out in time for the LVO cutoff, um, we're allowing new material up until the thirteenth, uh, which that would, that would basically if it comes if it goes up for pre-order at the beginning of the month it'll it'll just make it. Um, hopefully it does. Uh, and lists are going to be due on the oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, I
0: think they're due right after that. Twentieth. No, it's
1: it's the thirteenth. I think is the, the list. Thirteenth. Okay. Go. Um, so new material up until the 11th, which is the Saturday will be, will be in there. Um, at any rate, I will say if you're a Green Knight player combined with the aggressive changes in chapter proved and what you're going to be getting, it's a whole new day, whole new day. Space Wolves too, really. Um, so get excited. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, oh, and also Eldar players. If you're like me and you use all the, uh, uh aspect warriors, you got some aggressive points drops. Yep. Yeah. Really good. Exciting stuff. My list, my uh, foot door list went down so much that I could put in a Crimson Hunter. Exact same list plus Crimson Hunter.
0: With the new points change, Yeah. That's and my good. list was
1: already pretty good, so I was like, alright. Not bad. So let's talk about uh, Tunids in Chapter Approved, because I think that a lot of people are reacting mediocre to Lukewarm, or they're just not even talking about it. Tunids are kind of the redheaded stepchild right now. Uh, I think the latest report was that they're the worst performing
0: faction. Uh, I was actually corrected on that. Um, but I think it's an asterisk. Uh, the actual worst performing primary faction is Inari, but yeah, but they're... with a small sample size right. and are they a faction? Like, oh, I really? Are they, uh, Tyranids are, were Tyranids and blood angels were the worst performing factions. Um, according to 40kstats.com, which you should totally check out and sign up for that Patreon. But uh, I imagine Blood Angels will probably go up. They'll probably jump back up out of that. And then uh, Tyranids, we'll see. I I think the Tyranids got a lot of good stuff, personally. I'm
1: I'm excited about it. Uh, As somebody who has a rather large Tyranid army, um, I think that there's a lot there. And I think a lot of people are are perhaps missing some of the the cool stuff. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. give Give a ray of hope to all ye bug players out there. Uh, So, obviously, the points adjustments in chapter proved really nice, right? Um, Especially a lot of the big bugs got aggressive points reductions, like the Turvagon is, like, 152 now. Um, The the really interesting one is the Toxicrine, and don't laugh, Uh, the Toxicrine went down to 125 all in, if my memory serves me correctly. And before anybody's like, oh, the Toxicrene, wow, what are you talking about? There's a stratagem in here that is ludicrously good. The toxicrine uh, anybody that's within one inch of it uh, on a three plus can't leave combat. And if you're an infantry model, it's on a two plus. We, You're hearing us talk about this over and over. Anything that holds you in combat is gold. Yeah, and it I... is absolute gold. And the fact that the tox screen is relatively quick, he has an eight inch movement. You can use um, onslaught so that they can advance, they can advance and charge. Ugh, am I... I think so.
0: I think you can cast the power. I think they can advance a
1: charge. Advance and charge. I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. You can speed them up is basically yeah, can, what I'm trying to say. You can swarm
0: lord them up, advance yep. and charge, all so, that stuff.
1: Unless I'm completely getting my wires crossed, but I'm 99% certain I'm not. You can theoretically get them up there in turn one. Um, and then there's all kinds of choose your own adventure traits, which are really good, can speed you up. Um, it's crazy. That 125 point model, who's relatively durable, you can slingshot him. He's got a giant base and tag a couple of enemy units, hold him in combat. That can like literally win you the game right there.
0: Yeah. And you also get the added benefit of no one knows what a toxic screen looks like, except Reese. I heard it. He was about to say what it looked like. He's the Cthulhu Don't man. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. No. Uh, but yeah. So if you're a charity player and you just put up a bunch of bugs, monsters, they won't know the difference. So they might shoot your carnifex instead of your toxic screen. There's
1: actually <laughs> a distraction carnifex stratagem in here.
0: That, that's true that it is, is true as
1: well. hilarious <laughs> that I was like well done tip my trilby hat to the game devs that uh, it's called like vicious distraction you're like that's so good and basically if a monster is really close to you um, you have to take a check to not shoot at it or you get minus one to hit anything that's not that behind yeah. it yeah. well played
0: yeah, well played. and there's some other really interesting stuff, too. One combination, I don't know if we were going to talk about it, uh, was that they a unit has the option to be able to consolidate not towards the closest enemy model, it's, which is amazing yeah. when you add in like a 6-inch consolidate or, or a 2D6-inch two two
1: consolidation.
0: And, and so one thing I immediately noticed was that you could charge; you could have a unit of jeans charge behind a ruin, wipe out a unit completely, and then 2D6 consolidate back into the ruin. And just be like, ah, just, it, I just, I, I really want to see that happen. I'm sure that's probably not how the top players are going to use it, but just oh, the no, idea it, that you can do that is crazy.
1: Anything that affects movement is hyper ultra powerful, yes. right? A lot of people get caught up on oh, how much damage can I do and all this stuff. Movement is where the master of the game wins the game because there's few to no variables, right? You're in control of what happens in the movement phase. That's why things like warp time are so good, or swarm lord. That's why you see him so frequently, and he got a 50 points drop. Uh, that's why those things are so powerful. Or the Thunderfire Cannon, having your movement. Yeah. Um, those are super-duper strong. And holding things in combat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, these are really good. So anything like that, like a 2D 6-inch consolidation, which as a White Scars player is dumb good, uh, even not doing the tricky stuff like you're saying, where there's a choose-your-own-adventure trait, where if you're not within three inches of an enemy model, when you consolidate, you can go in any direction that you want. So yeah, you could go up, kill a unit, go out of line of sight. That's huge. But just doing it in the way that's obvious, go up, killing a unit, consolidating 2d6 inches back into someone's back lines, that's good by itself. Yeah. And think about how easy it is to wrap a unit up when you have 2d6 inch consolidation, Right. To to, 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 lock, to try point enemy models, keep them locked into combat is so much easier when you have that far to move.
0: Yeah, and especially if you don't have to go towards the nearest enemy unit, then you, it's essentially get another movement phase yeah um, after you consolidate, which is insane.
1: It's super good. And what we're talking about is uh, there's a new subset of rules called adaptive physiology, where you can substitute your warlord trait for this raw. Right now it works on named characters. Uh, like Swarm Lord, Uh, we'll wait to see the FAQ to make sure that that's confirmed or denied or if they don't uh, allow it. But uh, you swap out their Warlord trait for one of these adaptive physiologies. And then on top of, and you don't have to give it to the Warlord. You can either not take a Warlord trait and give it to another unit or the Warlord. And then for one CP, you can give it to one other unit and they're extremely good. The one that we were talking about lets you consolidate 2d6 inches. Obviously it's amazing. There's another one that you can heal up to three wounds. For every model you kill, you get a wound back in the fight phase. Uh, So for a model like Swarmlord or uh, another fun one, the Haru Specs, which got an aggressive points drop. Again, it's a model most people don't even know what it is, but he eats guys and then heals himself. He can heal up to five wounds a turn, right? All of a sudden that dumb model that now is super cheap and you can give it a choose your own adventure uh, trait to give it plus one to hit on the first round of combat that model all of a sudden has got a new lease on life. T8, 14 wounds, can regenerate five wounds a Let turn. Do D6 damage? Yes, you know. D6 damage attacks. It has, like, you, you need to go back and completely reassess every unit in the codex in the light of this. Some of the little things, uh, like on the playtest team, one of my buddies played against an extremely good player with Iron Hands, a tournament-winning Iron Hands list with Nids and beat him. Um, and he had a little bug swarm... Just did something simple. Uh, took the the uh, choose your own adventure trait. That's a six plus invulnerable save for all the little guys. That is a huge difference for an army like Tyranids, because it's in shooting and melee. And then there's another ability that lets you get uh, uh, you get an additional AP on your scything talents. So now your hormigons can have a six up invul, can have a uh, fuel No pain put on them. They can be minus one to hit. They can have AP one. You can actually get hormagons up to AP four.
0: Yeah, naturally. Not with not on a six, but just... Well,
1: it's a combination of lots of different things. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. But... So, I mean, even AP-3, which is easy to do. A Hormigaunt with AP-3, are you kidding me? Yeah. With reroll ones to wound, but from their own rules. It's not. You can make them fight twice. They'll shred a Space Marine unit. Yeah. And there's so much in there like that if you look, right? Like, if you're looking for something that screams off the page at you, like Doctrines, you're not going to see it. But It's subtle, but it's there. There's so much going on uh biovores got cheaper
0: that's hiveguard
1: guard got cheaper
0: yeah and biovores are really good counters against uh units that that are melee oriented uh things like lord discordance knights yeah, you, just Knight yeah, you just stop them from moving yeah uh, you stop them I'm from not, moving i'm not sure how they would do against assault centurions uh, i imagine they would do well if the assault centurions aren't in your face turn one because um, then they just get bogged down by these little things that pop them with mortal wounds uh, it, it'd been interesting to see where Biovores stand because they were previously a, a dark horse, really OP unit, especially when Knights were big. Well, they were. And then they fell off.
1: They were crazy before the rule of three came in because yes. you were seeing people taking fifteen of them, and yeah. it was devastating. But now that they've got a points drop, I think taking nine in the Tyrians list is just going to be a smart play. Like you said, some of the scariest thing in the game are are, are like Disco Lords, uh, Centurions, and especially if you go first. And you can move block them with the little floating nut sacks. Buying turns of the game. And they're good at just hurting them too.
0: Yeah, the, the mortal wounds is a big deal too. It, it can add up.
1: And there's fun stuff too. Like the Moloch now has a stratagem and he's dirt cheap. He has a stratagem when he pops up, you add, th- I think it's three to the roll. So that 50% of the time you're doing three mortal wounds flat to every unit in range. And there's you can't not do damage, right? You're doing either D3 or three. Mortal wounds. It's really good. It's really good, and there's so much little stuff like that in here that, when you add it all up, when you start actually writing lists and really thinking about it, it's very strong. Another one of the choose your own adventure traits is every model in the in your whole army heals a wound every turn, right? So if you take a bunch of multi-wound models, they're just regenerating constantly. It's really good. You have stratagems that can heal you too. Um, and then another one that we've been discussing forever and now it's, it's infinitely better is um, if you took like a bunch of Tuned Warriors, for, for 18 points are amazingly good value. It's a fearless troop that disrupts psychic abilities. It's relatively tough, has like four or five attacks on the charge. Just with Scything Talons, now you can make those Scything, scything Talons AP1. And there's other ways to uh, crank it up. You know, there's a new psychic power that gives you an additional AP1. In combat, Behemoth has a new psychic power that's veterans of the long war for a unit in melee. Like, and the list goes on and on and on. So you really want to dig in to to look at it so that you don't miss the forest for the trees, right? Um, The the adaptive physiologies are amazing. And then uh, the other one I wanted to touch on, uh, the new relics are really, really strong. Um, Previously, the Tyranid relics were crap. They were some of the worst ones in the game. And now they have a couple really uh, standout the, the one I think is going to be the auto-take that you're going to see literally in every list is the Resonance Barb. And it gives you an additional power, an additional cast, and get an additional deny, and plus one. So good. It's ridiculously really, good.
0: Really, really, really good.
1: Ridiculously good. You take a Neurothrope, three powers, two denies, plus one. Like, they, they re- naturally reroll ones. It's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. So good. And then one of the Choose Your Own uh, Traits, too – is that psychers can reroll the first failed check. So if you take a psychic heavy army with all these other layered combos, you're gonna be, the smite spam coming out of Tyranny gonna be nuts. They're, they have really good powers. Um, naturally, they have really good powers. So uh, it's a new day for the bugs. I'm actually considering playing them because I feel bad about myself playing my white scars right now. <laughs> it's just too easy. You know, they do have some weaknesses, but I'm just like, oh, I feel like I'm glittering like or something when I play them. <laughs>
0: Just like throwing trash on the table. Yeah.
1: yeah, you know, so I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll switch back to my bugs. I love playing my nids. Um, so why don't we jump into chat and see if we, there's anything, anybody, any questions about that? Uh, ooh, there's a negative Nancy in here. I love it. Oh, great. They would do terribly versus the Solisons. I don't know what they're talking about. Oh,
0: I mean, maybe they would. I wasn't, you know.
1: Yeah, but with the 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 main point <clears throat> isn't the damage that they do, it's the it's the little floating nutsack that stops things from moving around them. because
0: yeah, you can't you, you can't move shoot in the movement phase. So they're limiting your movement just by being there. That's yep. and that's one thing people always always forget about is that oh I could just shoot them with my hurricane bolters and like or whatever, clear them out. Like, yeah, you can, but you didn't move your full maximum distance that you can move. Uh, which is which is why they're so powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean you can stop knights in their tracks. It's so annoying, but it's so good as a turn player. Oh, Lucas W42, thank you so much for reminding me. I forgot to mention one of the Choose Your Own Adventure traits is a four up. It's a four up save against Overwatch rules. Oh, so good. So good. Like, yes. For bugs, that's a game changer because your little bugs would go into a big unit and just get f- annihilated. This is a big deal, right? Like that's a really really good one. My Turvagon spam list, I think it were not spam. My Turvagon list is totally back. Totally back. Because one of the things that's hilarious is that Nid's are really, really, really good at ITC missions, and it goes under the radar. Like, you take engineers uh, behind enemy lines and recon, you're going to max it almost every single time you play, right? You have rippers pop up in the backfield for behind enemy lines. Your army just spreads out and to get recon. You've got regenerating... um, you make like two units of Termagons your engineers, and your Termagons putting 10 more back in each turn. Good luck. Good luck getting that off the table before they get all the points. And if they do focus on it, that means your assault units are going untouched. I'm really excited for all the possibilities.
0: What are the big Cali 40k events next summer? The Bay Area Open.
1: Yeah, um, and then we'll get all the information about that up on the site. There, there already is a link up, but we'll get more. Valerie, when am I gonna man up and play my foot door in a tournament? The only, re I've been playing them in the, the leagues, or I was. The only reason I haven't brought him to a tournament is because I, like, ha- I don't know, maybe 40% of the army that I'm playing now, because it's a themed Tan Swordwind, I have one of every aspect, is not painted, and the paint scheme on that army is really difficult. Um, and I just haven't been able to get myself to get in there and paint them because it's it, – it, that Katy Perry
0: – It's a ca- white, pink, and blue. It's
1: pastel. It's all pastels. <laughs> it is a difficult paint scheme. It, it's not quick. The guy that was actually helping me paint it actually quit. <laughs>
0: he was sense. like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I was like – He didn't quit – Painting the army quit painting. Period. No, he just,
1: <laughs> he, he was just like, dude, he's like, your army is so hard to paint. I was like, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let me see if there's any other one. Yeah. The BA stuff is amazingly good. Um, we didn't even feel like covering it because it's, I think it's patently obvious that it's the Blood Angels. They're, they're, they're the hot girl at the prom now.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I don't think we'll see very many tiered lists make the top 25. Well, top 25 majors probably because that's like, the top 50 percent of some majors, um, but if you're talking specifically about Delvio, which I imagine you are, I think we'll definitely see a Tyranid player go either go five and one or make the top 50. Um, I, th- I and I don't mean like uh, Tyranid Gene Circle, Astromilitarum. Militarum. I mean like a pure dedicated Tyranid list. I, I think for sure we'll see one of those go five and one at Delvio.
1: Yeah, like I, like I've said like numerous times, my buddy Will went five and one at the LGT with Tyranids beating some really difficult armies. Um, And that was before all this, like, plethora of goodness uh, fell into their laps. So, um, yeah, I I don't doubt in my mind. We'll see. Like, I'll I'll bet right now we'll get a 5-1 Tyranid player at the LVO. At least one. We had a 5-1 Necron player last year, and everyone thought that that was, like, impossible. Now, geez louise, Necron's got a lot of really aggressive points drops. Man, they're going to be scary now, even more so than they already were. Uh, 83 Hoover asks, will LVO still be six rounds? on days one and two with this many people. So as a lot of you've heard, we hit, we did it. Ring the bell. We have a thousand, we have a thousand 40K championships players in just the one event. I went in and added up. It's like almost 1500 unique 40K players at the LVO. There's a thousand people playing, registered. There won't be that many that show up to play. There never is. But uh, we've had over a thousand people register to play in the in the, the 40K championships at the Las Vegas Open. It's Insane! It's unprecedented. We're as big as the next three events combined. It's nuts. Absolutely thrilled and excited. But uh, so the way we do it is: it's Friday is three rounds, Saturday is three rounds, uh, and we have what we call like the phantom round. Um, round there's a round seven. It sucks. It's it's grueling and it's it's exhausting for the players and the judges. But it's the only way to do it. Um, without having some people get left out in the cold. Um, Players in positions eight through 12, no, uh, excuse me, players in positions five through 12 play in a a qualifying round, uh, a fourth round on Saturday, and the ones that win go into the top eight. If you're in spots one through four, you auto-seed into the finals. And then everybody else has to fight for the last four spots, so that we then we have a three round single elimination, winners takes all, kumite on yes, Sunday. It,
0: and last year we only did it if, if uh, we didn't have, if we, if we had more than eight undefeated players, which we did. I believe we had nine or 10 undefeated players. Yep. Um, this year we're for sure probably gonna have to do it. We had a thousand people. Oh no, we don't. there's
1: no choice. As soon yeah. as you go over 512, you don't have a choice. You have yeah. to do it.
0: Yeah. So you don't have that. Three l- round.
1: Unless you magically had a scenario where like a lot of people tied. And you know what I mean? That's possible, but it's improbable. Now, yeah, no, there's no question. Even if we have 20% attrition, there's only like 800 and something people show up. It's still mathematical almost certainty. Um, but yeah, it is optional. If if there if we do find ourselves in a scenario where there is only eight undefeated players, um, excluding ties, then yeah, we wouldn't do it because it's such a pain in the butt. Yep. Uh, next question. Uh, phase that up. Are we going to be taking any of the missions from chapter proof for the ITC? Probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, as we roll into the next season, that's when we discuss all this stuff, and that's coming up soon. Um, uh, we'll, we'll put the question first to their community of ITCTOs, see what they think. But uh, pr- probably not. Um, we're open-minded, of course, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely take a look. Maybe we could cherry-pick some fun stuff. Tremantacor, good question. Why do you think GSC were hit uh, hard in chapter-proof? you got to remember chapter proved was written in the past. So it's reflective of the environment in which it was written. I, I really, really strongly believe Games Workshop should adopt a digital uh, rules format for match play, so that it can be agile and react to the current environment, not always be, you know, a blast from the past. Um, but it's not. I'm not in charge of these things, not even remotely close. Yeah. Uh, that's that. I if you had a digital situation, you know, like if we, cause I think all of us would be willing to pay a subscription. Like I would pay upward, I would pay 20, 30 bucks a month and you get a subscription to everything that comes out. Uh, well, cause the thing is, if you're GW, the way you got to look at it is if everyone's buying every book, we're coming out with two, three books a month. Now they make way more money than they would on a subscription. Right. So you'd have to look at it from their perspective. What would you be willing to pay as a match play community? I would be willing to pay that much to get everything and then have it all be updated with every FAQ, with every points change, and have it all on my phone. A hundred percent, one hundred percent. I would do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and um.
1: And it but, would be it would be current.
0: Yes, right? updated every with the
1: necessities of the way publishing works. It's not possible for them to print this and have it be even close to current. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you would measure what is current or not.
0: But. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, w- one thing we talked about in chapter tactics, which I'll just read here, is that uh, w- if you you know with gene circle and with plague bearers and some of the units that got hit hard, um, a lot of that was also just space marines being such a big tidal wave in the meta, just such a big shift. Uh, w- if space marines weren't as big as they were, if they weren't as powerful as they were, I think a lot of these changes would actually be really good. Uh, gene yeah. circle are notoriously bad against space marines. I would even argue, and a lot of good gene circle players would also agree with me and that space marines when they came out killed gene circle uh in terms of their top love top table viability uh and then jim vessel has gone on record and saying that space marines also killed plague bears and killed a lot of his his list the the jim vessel list that he's been winning with all this year uh so space marines are also part of the culprit here too uh and you know that's just unfortunately just the way the things chips landed
1: yep before pre, pre-Space pre means these changes would have made so much more sense. And they did. Um, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And net, the net result of this book is tremendously positive. If you're a Gene Steeler cold player you're like, F you, Reese, you're wrong. Uh, and from your perspective, that is correct. I am wrong. But from a big picture perspective, this is going to change the meta in positive ways. A lot of units that were not seeing the table are going to be seeing the table. And with Psychic Awakening layered on top of it, a lot of armies have gotten a completely new lease in life. It's a net positive. Um, unfortunately, good with the bad. So, all right, let's jump on over. We still got a little bit to cover here. We're running a little long. Um, but we had a lot to talk this, about.
0: What, this is a chapter tactics episode? It is. It's becoming that. Let's talk about the ITC. What,
1: what? If you like the ITC, you like what it's about, you think it's been good for your hobby and you want to support it so you have to continue to grow and thrive, Eat its vegetables and turn into a strapping ITC person.
0: Mm. I don't know why. That
1: was funny in my Mm. head.
0: Tournament results. Um.
1: That was funny in my head, and then it came out of my mouth and it wasn't. Uh, Consider supporting the ITC Patreon. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the ITC, offsetting the significant cost to run it. Uh, We have a lot of events this weekend. Per usual, we have two GTs. uh, The Dicehammer GT3 in uh, Lake Forest, California, and the Golden Throne Unplugged. Ooh. And that's in Mobile, Alabama. Also, isn't this weekend it's the pro tabletop guys too, right? Uh, they must not have submitted the uh, – I don't know. They must not have submitted the op- – I think that's someone, this week. Someone in
0: chat will know. We'll, we'll go towards the end. Uh, I believe it's called the Atlanta Open. Something,
1: yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, just trying to make sure everybody gets coverage. Um, they must have not filled out the, the form to go on the calendar. Uh, Age of Sigmar. We have quite a few events coming up in the rest of the month. Uh, no GTs or majors, but quite a few RTTs. So get out there and get your points. Support your local scene. 40K ITC top five. Currently, Mr. Jim Vassal hanging on there now by his fingertips. Richard, the drone commander, Siegler, has narrowed that gap to spitting distance. He is only 13 points behind. Well done, Richard. Coming in strong. Nick Rose is sitting in a very good position in third. Nick Nonavati, Mr. Brown Magic himself, is in fourth. And John Lennon in fifth. Well done. Hobby track, current top five. Jim, I hedged my bets, Vessel, is sitting in a really good position with a strong lead, And he is coming to the LVO, and he has a beautiful army, so he's probably going to be taking that one home. Even if first place competitive track gets snatched from his talons, since he plays Chaos, they're not fingers, they're talons. Or tentacles, as the case may be.
0: I mean, he could really bring any nicely painted army to the LVO and win that.
1: If he brings his Chaos army, that thing is beautiful. Um, he'll, He'll be in good shape. Lou Rollins in second, who won it last year. Uh, Paul Winners in third, Dominique Caret in fourth, and TJ Lanigan in fifth. TJ is also an extremely good competitive player. So that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. AOS, current competitive top five. We've got Jeremy Vessier in first place. James O'Brien moves into second. Alex Gonzalez in third. Anthony Lawrence in fourth. And Matt Pashby in fifth. Hobby track, AOS. Rich Waters leading the pack, followed... Hotley by Jeremy Vessier in second. Matt Beasley in third. Alex Gonzalez in fourth. And Matthias Crucial in fifth.
0: Now, actually, uh, Rich Waters came in here. Uh, last week, it was Jeremy Vessier in the top. and Rich Waters hopped Jeremy with only two events uh, to his name. That means he uh, just he's, crushed He's it. a beautiful army. Um, I don't know what it is. Probably a beautiful man, too. It's it, Rich Waters with a name like Rich Waters. Right? That's a great, that's a great it Richard makes, Waters. It makes me, he's like
1: a Din, Din, Din. Uh, John Denver kind of guy. He's like yes. got a plaid shirt on, some beautiful blonde yeah, hair,
0: gorgeous beard,
1: outdoorsy kind of
0: fellow. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Got to
1: live near a river with a name like that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if he goes to LVO, uh, I imagine he'll he'll do very very well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I can't wait. The, the AOS side of the table, of as I said a million times, or the side of the room, for whatever reason, it's like a cultural thing within the subsets of the gamers. Their armies are always better. <laughs>
0: so beautiful compared to 40k. And
1: not to say that the, some of the 40k armies aren't astounding because they are, but it's like the average level of appearance on yes. the AoS side is same with fantasy. It always seemed to be better. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yep. just maybe that's just my perception, but I always, I always, I, I, I saw it. Uh, Shade Spire current or Warhammer Underworlds current top five. Ivan Cho in first place with a commanding lead. Jonathan Coulson in second, followed closely by Tony Field. Matt Martin in fourth, and Daniel Velasquez in fifth. Kill Team, top five. Michael T. Holy, the one and only. Holy. Way out in front. 701 points, followed by Alex Torbert in second. Uh, Janice Gilhelm in third. George Rollins in fourth, and Matthew Hole in fifth. And oh my golly! Check out this Magnus painted by the FLG Paint Studio. This is the thirty k Magnus. Pretty, uh,
0: pretty good. I love. Oh man, those feathers. Pre, uh,
1: what do you call that when you get a? it's that show when they give you like a makeover?
0: Uh, makeover before and after picture. I don't know. Yeah, but
1: there was a show where they did like extreme makeovers. Or something.
0: Anyway. Maybe makeover.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, before his extreme makeover into a demon prince. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Here's Magnus. That was right there. Yeah, no, it, this is a very, this is a very, very beautiful. That's yeah, amazing. It's gorgeous. Painting.
1: I like the OSL from his like swirly, magically thing.
0: Yeah, and his hand. And, Coloring yeah, like, the
1: hand in the rock. That's I always enjoy that. It's that's great. a nice touch. Check it out. If you want to get to your Army painted by the Frontline Gaming Paint Studio, we're always taking new commissions. If you want to be a painter and live in... L- Fabulous Las Vegas, I was was like, what's the adjective they always use? Um, We are setting up an in-studio, an in-house paint studio, and um, it's a a reasonable place to live in terms of living expenses, so if it's something that you are interested in, please email in with your portfolio, let us know, and we have quite a few people actually moving out, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Working at Frontline Gaming is is pretty cool.
0: That also helps, I, I usually bother the painters but once a day for five minutes, ask them, you know, how they're doing. Yeah, we all... Poke, poke them with paintbrushes so if you really want, if you really, if that appeals to you. you Sometimes know. we'll
1: just open the door and throw things at them and then scurry away, cackling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mariana
1: goes in and bugs them for models so that you can take the pictures. It's fun.
0: It is it is actually a good time. It is a, it is a fun place Every to pay, Every announce painter we've had, I, I've developed a friendly relationship with. And it's usually a lot of fun having
1: <laughs> NHH... Five three five seven. That is exactly. He went on to the show. Queer Eye of Terror. Oh no! Instead of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. That's so. That's perfect. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> he got a full makeover. He's a new man. He's got a new sense of purpose. Opened his mind to all kinds of different things.
0: That was amazing. I like it. I think we should end on that.
1: <laughs> uh, extreme makeover. That was what it was called. Uh, uh, any other questions before we wrap it up? Sorry we went a little long today, but we had a lot to cover. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Random people. I think everyone's just kind of like chatting a little bit. We'll scroll back down and we'll uh, uh, answer any other questions. Thanks for subscribing. J. thank you so much for the continued subscription. Uh, NHH5, blah, blah, blah. New Admec Flyer thoughts. I like it. A lot. You know what it, I immediately thought of? I thought of Dune. In Dune, they have these things called ornithopters that are described as having like, they look like like a dragonfly. And uh, it immediately made me think of that when yeah. I looked at it. And I was like, oh, cool. It's like the flyer from Dune, at least as it exists in my mind.
0: Beautiful uh, model. I love yeah. I love the way it looks personally too. Uh,
1: Wolf Priest, Carl, Space Wolves. Well, chapter Prove was very kind to you. So there's some news. Yes. Uh, will we be posting a complete list of what the bases should be... Uh, no, uh, Seriate. we won't be doing that. Because um, if you just look at what the new kit comes with, and that will answer your question. If you go to Games Workshop, look at the product description, it tells you what bases are in the kit. Um, it really only impacts, there's actually not that many models that it impacts. It's Space Marines and Oryx are the big ones.
0: Yeah, or you can buy the new kits with store credit that you got from selling your your army to the second-hand store. <laughs> From the gaming feel like secondhand shop yeah. at gmail.com. If you want brand new kits with all the new bases, or if you're unsure, you can do that. We take in all those armies.
1: Uh, let me see. Do you think neophytes are worth 55 points, BuzzJ? Um, I can't really answer that off the top of my head. I'm not a genius. It's one of the only armies I don't play. If Frankie was here, he could answer that one. Um, so my opinion on that topic is p- not gonna be definitive by any means. Uh Lucas W forty two, do you think an all Nid warrior army could do one? Else? I of the, I'm of the opinion that all Nid Warrior could do well before, and it did. Shuck, Matt Shuckman actually did really well. What was it the event that he did well with a? He took a tiered Warrior spam army. Chuckman,
0: um, it wasn't Nova, but Shuckman was taking Tier Nid Warriors. Um, to I, mean, I want to say it was like a while ago now, though.
1: I but hundred and ten percent. I think a Nid, Look at what you get for the points. Eighteen points. You get three wounds, three attacks. If you take two sets of Scything Talons, it's four attacks, re-rolling ones to hit. They can hit on twos.
0: They're troop choices.
1: They're troop choices. They're fearless. They uh, disrupt enemy psychers. And uh, they have Shadows in the Warp. I'm, I think they do. Um, and you can make their Scything Talons, you can crank up the AP on them, so all of a sudden they're scary. If you want to put a couple more points into them, you can go 22 points, two sets of Bone Swords, and those are uh, going to give you five attacks AP2 for very little points, right? Like 100%. Absolutely, I think you can make an army that has lots of tuning warriors work. Uh, uh, 55 point neophytes is a typo, people are saying in chat. Yeah, I mean, it, that. If, if it is, it is. I don't remember ex- 100% off the top of my head, so I can't really comment intelligently on that. I apologize. Uh, there was another question in here, really quick. Uh, if you're joining, what about basing for models with no base? Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, clearly, if they don't have a base, you don't have to put them on a base. Come on. You
0: have to make up your own base. Yeah. You have to cast it yourself. Yeah. If
1: it doesn't have a base, it doesn't need a base. Come on, guys. Uh, oh, and then uh, yeah. Uh, eh. Do you think uh, Space Wolves are going to get the Blood Angels treatment? Uh, I would say that that's. I would. Pretty obviously, say yeah that.
0: Yes, it would be e- a big, big, big mistake if well, the wouldn't? rest of the Space Marine armies didn't. now the Blood Angels, now they've set that precedent. Well, and Black Templars. And Black too. Templars, yeah. like the you know, it's it's probably going. I would bet ninety nine percent chance that they're going to do something like that for every Space Marine army.
1: N- Never mind, Jamba. If you want to put a base on the Triarch Stalker, yeah, sure, that's fine. Go ahead. All it does is it. It really, the net, as long as the base isn't like the size of a turkey platter or something, like if it's a reasonable base and it fits on it, that's fine. Like a dune crawler base would probably be perfect. So, all right. Uh, thank you for hanging in there for the extra special, extra long episode of Signals from the Frontline, number 650, 665. No. That means next episode is 666. We should uh, talk about like Grey Knights. Someone in the chat said that. I thought that was very funny. Let's do it. Because they fight demons. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. Thank you for uh, hanging in there with us. And until next week, happy gaming. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the holidays, and we will talk to you uh, next Wednesday. So long.